Lots to talk about on a Monday morning, and here to unpack is Scott Reed, CTV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Good to have you. Happy Monday. It's not a happy Monday. I thought we'd all move to South Carolina. It's like five degrees outside. I'm used to 27. This is no good. Yeah, but the problem with South Carolina is you have to live in South Carolina. Um, Olivia Chow expected to shake up the mayor's race today at 1030. Are you all at Twitter? I'm all a Twitter. I'm all a labeled Twitter. I, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be the galvanizing event of this race. I think that she enters the race. She's instantly the front runner or among the front runners, as we've seen from polls on the basis solely of name recognition. So, you know, she's been kicking in and around municipal politics and local politics for a long, long time. So her name recognition will vault her to the top of the list of candidates. She also obviously represents the left. And, you know, I think that's going to have a galvanizing effect in terms of how the other candidates organize themselves, what their messages are. Will she become a target? People are trying to position themselves. Um, so I think I think it's going to be the first really big event of this campaign that starts getting people talking and moving hard. Um, but, you know, I am a little, I hope someone asks her why she's running, because which seems like an obvious question, but she wasn't running. She wasn't running until polls showed that she was in the lead. She wasn't running until the likes of Joe Krause and Mike Layton, her own you know, stepson, declined to run. And so it sort of feels like, well, I don't know. Some people came to me, said I could run, I could win. I guess I'll run. And I think she's going to get tagged as yesterday's candidate pretty quickly. And frankly, I think it's going to be up to her to demonstrate that she's not yesterday's candidate. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, even in the hours, Scott, up until 1030, I would imagine that some of the other candidates are going to start taking their swipes. And there is an aspect of her arrival at a press conference of Je suis arrivé. Hello, everyone. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm Lydia Chow and you're not. And that, that's, I think she's going to be, I think she's going to be a little bit of the magnetic north around which the rest of this race uh, rotates. And uh, it's going to make for an interesting campaign. So Rob Davis is one of the people running. I like his style. I don't know. He's, I don't consider him to be a front runner, but I mean, he came out with uh, the idea of not renaming Jar or, um, Dundas Street, which is great. And he walks around with a Dundas Street street sign. And his latest brainstorm is make the TTC free for all first responders. It's an interesting pitch, Scott, but I don't know necessarily. First of all, firefighters, I think a lot of them come from pretty far away that I know of, so they like to drive. Uh, police officers, yeah, um, bring it on. But I don't know if somebody who's a paramedic necessarily wants to be riding the, if, you know, in uniform for free and expected to intervene if something goes south. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I think it's a dumb idea. I think it's a gimmick. I mean, on the face of it, you kind of go, well, why not? Sure, okay. But is it an expression of gratitude to first responders? No. Is His idea is that this is a way in which you'll encourage a greater presence of first responders. That will help with the crisis that's occurring in public transit in terms of safety and security and uh, responding to challenges on, on uh, our, you know, subways and buses and streetcars. And I think that's daft. Like, do the hard work. You know, don't, don't just, don't do press release. Don't do gimmicks. Like, do the hard work of saying, you know what, what we're going to do is we're actually going to finance better supports for public transit. We're going to make certain that it's a more secure place. We're going to put up guards or we're going to put up guardrails, I mean, you know, and uh, our barriers. We're going to put, you know, more uniform uh, folks, uh, either the special constables or off-duty policemen, into the TTC and explain how you're going to pay for it. But this is just, oh, we're going to ask people to work for free because we're going to give them, you know, uh, a ride 
provide for free. It, it's not a serious response to a serious issue. Well, and also worth noting, a lot of these people make pretty good coins. So, you know, it would just be one more benefit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't mind that part. No, but that's not how it's rationalized. What a, you know, and it's like, oh, this is going to be a response to the safety and security crisis currently confronting the TTC. No, it's not. Go do some real work. Come up with a plan that will put people there dependably and reliably with a mandate to intervene, not just hope that somebody will, you know, show up in a, you know, in a paramedics uh, uniform and happen to see something and happen to intervene. That's that's just half assery. OK, so, you know, the thing, too, about teenagers having raised a. Uh, a passel of kids in your time, Ontario proposing lowering the minimum age for lifeguards to 15 because we have a lifeguard shortage. Is that a good idea? What is a 15 year old up to the job? You know, I think it's situational. Um, I don't, I don't have an instinctive bias against it. Uh, I think there have to be some subjective criteria attached because you're at a time and an age where some 15 year olds are 18 and some 15 year olds are 11. Like that's just the way it is. And I've seen it with my own sons. I've, you know, I have a 13 year old who could be a lifeguard right now. Um, actually passed, got his bronze cross this past summer and he's very responsible and he's physically large enough that he could do the job. But you know, I, two of his older brothers um, probably were not in a position to do that. Physically, they probably weren't there. And, you know, I'm not sure emotionally in terms of their maturity at that time. So I, I'm not against it, but it's, if you're going to just draw arbitrary lines, like it's a, it's a weird one, you know? So I, I sort of say yes, with a couple of asterisks, which, you know, will mean that people have to say yes in general, but not for this one, because, he or she is too small or he or she is too immature. And, you know, I don't know how you police that. Twitter has added, as you mentioned, government funded media, a tag to the CBC account. And everybody knows what's going on here. I was comparing it on Friday to people who say Barack Hussein Obama. And then you say, why are you doing that? Because it's his name. Um, this is an effort to pretend that the CBC is operationally controlled by the government, which it isn't. I, I can't tell you. I want to curse. I know we're not allowed to swear on terrestrial radio, but I want to so badly. It angers me. And, you know, and it's for the very reason you mentioned, right? This is just gimmickry. This is stupid. And, you know, the reality is the CBC is not government controlled. It's not government propaganda. The reality is that they do not take their marching orders from government. When I was in government, I would yell and scream and fuse and stamp my feet just as much about CBC reporting as any other. And if we're going to play this game about who gets dollars and cents from the federal government, well, you'd better you better move aside because the line forms to the right. It includes the likes of Elon Musk and all the subsidies he's received over the years. It includes every other media organization, including Post Media, that font of right-wing ranting and such you know, increasingly diminishing quality of writing. They receive lots of subsidies, even as they rant against government control. Pierre Polyev ought to be ashamed. If you want to be a national leader, we ought to actually make certain that we try to maintain and burnish and legitimize to the greatest degree we ever we always can our national institutions. The CBC was formed in the 1930s as a national institution doesn't mean it's always perfect but to pretend that it's just a government controlled lackey it just irritates the living hell out of me and it's garbage uh government feds restoring hockey canada funding uh, your thoughts i guess they have to do this because hockey canada and all the minor hockey elements that it that are, rely upon it probably can't function without that measure of funding um but 
you know, I guess, you know, the, the, the asterisk I have in this issue is they've not done anything to demonstrate change yet. After finally being dragged around the barnyard, the CEO finally stepped down. The board finally stepped down, not because they had any notion of self-awareness, but because they'd literally run out of rope. Um, so it's good that there's a new, new leadership, but have they demonstrated change? Um, so I, I know there's provisions. I know there's you know protocols for elevated reporting and so forth. I, I guess it's necessary. My kids are in minor hockey. I want minor hockey to flourish. But I want that place to change, and I want to make sure that they're um, they're using the stick as well as the carrot. Okay. You know what? Stand by, Scott, because uh, Rob Davis called in, and he wants to pick a fight with you. Uh, Rob Davis, mayoral candidate, nice to have you. Good morning. Well, good morning. Okay. So your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are Scott, unfortunately, is wrong in, in this case. Um, actually, at the High Park Station in December, when a woman was fatally stabbed, it was an, uh, an, uh, an off-duty police officer who apprehended the assailant and arrested them. Uh, and Scott may not know this, but I do because I was uh, the former vice chairman of the TTC. It is already in the TTC bylaw that police officers with proper ID ride for free on the transit system. They don't have to wear a uniform. So the purpose of this idea is simply to thank and reward our first responders for a job well done over the COVID-19 pandemic. And yeah. Okay, so hold on a sec, Rob Davis. So you're saying this is like a perk. It's not about trying to get uniform people on the transit system. It's a perk for unionized people who get paid well. Well, well, it's a it's a perk for first responders, but in the off chance that they are there when there's an emergency, we're simply asking them to be good Samaritans and render help and aid. No, they don't have to be uniformed. No, they don't have to be wearing, you know, paramedic scrubs. Uh, they don't have to have their fire retardant gear on their way to work if they're firefighters. But the idea of having uh, 10,000, because there are 5,400 police officers, 3,500 firefighters, and 1,400 uh, EMS paramedics that work for the city of Toronto, the potential that 10,000 first responders are riding the subway along with you and I when we're on our way to work is comforting to some. Okay. It's an opportunity for us okay. to have good Samaritans who actually have first responder skills uh, on buses, streetcars, and subways okay. when we're riding at Rush we're, we're late for news, so I'm going to have to leave it there for now. Sure. But I appreciate it. Thanks. That's Rob Davis, wants to be mayor of uh, Toronto, and Scott Reed.